myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is comedian Andy Franklin. Andy is one of my good friends. He's a fellow comedian here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's a former skater, singer, and magazine, I guess, e-zine creator. In this episode, me and Andy have a lot of laughs as we talk about comedy, how he got his start, fatherhood, and then we get into his sphere of claustrophobia, most notably in elevators. So let's get into that interview right now with Andy Franklin. All right, my guest this week is comedian Andy Franklin. Andy Franklin's been doing comedy for how many years now? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say on the record. Let's give it six years. Okay, six years. He's a he's a he's a performer here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. He's kind of a kind of starting to make his way and starting to to I guess graduate from the open mic scene to regular working gigs and comedy and fingers crossed that that keeps happening. So when did, what made you get into stand up? Um, well, I actually wanted to do stand up when I was a kid. Like I'd say kid, I'd say like, uh, high school. Okay. Um, but like at the time I did, I was really into skateboarding and really into like photography and film and it didn't fit the profile you know like it felt like if i said i wanted to be a comic people would be like what the fuck are you talking about man like like you know what i mean like because it, it, it was no internet you know and me being the, in the in the kind of music i was like when you said comedian it's the only comics we really knew of was like chris rock you know yeah. what i mean and that's not that's not me right so in the and like you only knew about hollywood and like so then i saw david cross and then I was like in college, I was like, man, I was like, that's there's like a whole different world of comic comedy. I want to try this and I want to play music, but music didn't really work out with my ears. Like, you know, I was just like I was I had like weird, sensitive ears. And I was like, I don't think I can be a musician. What can I do that? Um, and I'm be honest with you, like, it's going to sound so corny, but like. I've been told to try stand up like my whole life, mm-hmm. but I, you know, like, and that's it, other people would say do it. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like, that's just my personality. Like, I'm one of those people that's on, which is probably why I don't have a lot of friends because it's just, I'm the same person. You know what I mean? Like, I've never been anything else other than who I am. So it's kind of, it's, it's like one day I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I don't care what anybody says. And I went up and did, um, roughly one and a half minutes of comedy in a five or five minute set, and uh, stood on stage for four minutes, <laughs> Ter- terrified. So, where did you do this? That was a DCH or what? What comedy club was your first? It was Hyannis, Dallas. Okay, yeah, good to know. I did. <laughs> yeah, it was Billy was running it. I do believe. Okay. 
So here's what I what I what I think I've discovered is when people tell you you should try stand up, that's their way of, hey, stop talking to me. That's basically what I found is that it's just people like, oh yeah, you're just gonna keep talking unless I just compliment you. You, you should try stand up, and then I can now make my exit. <laughs> try the comedy. That'll be a thing. Yeah. I mean, I uh, I used to do that thing where because I used to watch specials all the time, you know, because on HBO, I had HBO in my room in high school, weren't supposed to. But uh, and I would go to so stupid. I can't remember if I'm saying this out loud. I would go to school and like retell Carlin jokes or like retell <laughs> like Chris Rock jokes, you know, and just murder them. Just be like, you know, everybody's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, uh, n- never mind. And I tried to write uh, one time in high school, I tried to write uh, the, the the Laffy Taffy jokes, you know, mm-hmm. I write those. And like, I would like ask my friends about them. And they're like, what are you, what are you, <laughs> like, it was bad. I was mm-hmm. bombing for years. <laughs> tried to write Laffy Taffy jokes just off of, on paper. <laughs> so were you trying to submit jokes for Laffy Taffy? Like that you thought that you, you, you could... That's where that's where you saw that's where you saw like comedy needed to go. <laughs> uh, you know where African American no. comedy needs a voice, Laffy Taffy. <laughs> the Black Taffy. That's what I was gonna call it. Black Taffy. Uh, no man, I just was like, I just thought it was funny, you know, because mm-hmm. I I would just be meet myself, and then I was like, this, this is cool. I'll try this. But I'll tell you the actual moment. There were two moments when I was like, I really want to try stand up was seeing David Cross, okay. you know, and then being like, oh, this is the person who likes the kind of music I like. Like, he does it. I, I can try this. Okay. And there was a time, uh, you know what zines are? No. Like, uh, like a lot of like, like a lot of like people in like the into like art or like punk rock will make these little like uh, photocopied like magazines or whatever that about like literally anything. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. So I made one for like like a skate zine or whatever. And I used to think I was an artist. I used to think I could draw. And uh, <laughs> I drew these pictures in it. And I took these pictures of like my friend skating at the skate park. And I wrote this uh, thing. It was like the top 10 things to do to get over a girl. And it was like these little drawings and like these little things or whatever. And then um, I tried to sell them to my friends. They literally, like I was at the skate park and all these people were like, thought it was really funny. But they hate they the pictures were like they were like these are terrible pictures and these are they didn't care about the drawings and I was like hurt you know I was like but it's my art and they're like yeah these are bad like you can't draw like they were like really mean to me but I was like well maybe there's something there with the funny part you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> I was like, trying to find trying to find any silver lining and and just being ripped to shreds by your friends just <laughs> yeah yeah is audio good still yeah. I just turned okay. down the game a little bit. You were a little close. And it was that thing. It must have been that disabled stuff or whatever. Yeah. And so, so you made, do you have like still those zines? Like, could, do you, would you bring one to open mic to show people? <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one called, uh, it was called Worth It. <laughs> <laughs> very, very self-help sounding. And then I had another one called Swamp Ass. Okay. You know, like. When you get like uh, like wet butt swamp dollars, is yeah. it's called or whatever. Yeah, yeah, okay. that was real cool. <laughs> you were, 
you were way ahead of the game on the therapy game. Late nineties, you're already <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> trying to therapy worth it. <laughs> but you know, yeah, it's funny. I just remembered that too, being like, man, okay, I can write funny stuff, but I cannot draw. Man, I cannot. Uh, I can't either. So that's like, there's, I have never been able to draw ever. And my dad and my mom are both like super artistic. Like they can paint, sculpt, do all mm-hmm. these different things. And I can do nothing with my hands. Basically. I can't even write good. Like my handwriting's even awful. <laughs> so, yeah. Mine's not good either. And so I like I, to write the, yeah. What'd you say? I was just saying that's just the crux of, but I can talk a lot and that's, I guess the yeah. silver lining. Yeah. Yeah, I I find that uh, stand up, like stand up comedy specifically, and then like writing comedy are two different animals, but they're both like fun to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas like even when I was like, oh, I'm gonna be an artist, even though like I couldn't draw and I, but I thought I could, it wasn't always fun, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'd have to be like, all right, I'm gonna go. I would like regret spending money on art supplies whereas with comedy like if i am in the red when i do shows like i'm not like you know sad about it i'm like well whatever at least i had fun you know so (laughs) if that makes any sense so who would you say besides david cross are your big comedic influences who do you think kind of influenced the the way you do comedy um i'd say the the very first I try and I and it's hard to admit now, mm-hmm. but I was re- really, really into Aziz Ansari okay. whenever he first came out. And I know a lot of people don't. I don't know why, but people don't really like Aziz anymore. But um, and I think I, I came out of the bat trying to emulate him like a lot. Okay. Like the first year of comedy, I think I was like trying to sound like Aziz. And I was like, I had to catch myself. I think I think we all do it at first. Mm-hmm. But I was like, am I trying to sound like this person? Um, I like Carlin a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely, uh, I don't think that, I mean, I really like his approach to comedy. I like mm-hmm. how he talks like from his point of view and it's not like a big, um, he's not pulling from other sources or whatever. I like how it's like, this is how Carlin thinks and we know it right off the bat. And I like that part of comedy. Yeah, there's some comics who, you know, are a little more observational, but still. I love them as well, but I really like how Carlin is like, you know exactly how he feels about a thing when he's telling a bit. Okay. So sad. And so, well, I think, and I think, and everybody kind of emulates somebody, I think, when they start. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, it's to me, it again, it comes back to you're pretending you're, you, you think you're the cool guy now, like you're, and you're just doing yeah. your, your thought on what cool is like you're just like yeah this is how cool people are like i i know how to be cool and you really don't you just you just you don't realize you know you're just everybody can see how how unauthentic it is it's not an authentic Mm -hmm. point of view like you're saying with carlin he has a very he has an authenticity to way he talks that defines exactly where it is and you're either in agreement or disagreement and but either way you're you're gr- you're invested because now you got to know why he feels that way. Like if you agree, yeah. yeah, is it the same reason I am? If you disagree, I don't understand why are you. And then you're just either way, you're all hooked in, and he then he can he can make the you know the real you know the turn or the, yeah. the reveal, the big reveal. Yeah, <laughs> um, I like Aziz as well. Like I know like. I don't know, and I don't even remember why that people don't people don't like him or whatever. But I've heard a lot of people been like, "Nah," but I'm like, "Dude, 
when Aziz was like around, I guess, was it 2010, 2011, I felt like he was. He's got some really good cool. material. I think the problem is, is that <clears throat> his later material it became more name droppy. Like, I feel like it, yeah. <laughs> it's too much about him hanging out with, uh, uh, what's his name? Kanye, you know, like, Kanye he, West. yeah, it's yeah. like, it, it became yeah. bits like that. I get to hang out with Kanye and it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to relate to that life. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, yeah, I get that you want your, you're happy and, but I just don't think a lot of people have the experience of hanging out with Kanye yeah. <laughs> so then we're like, uh, yeah, I remember, and I remember that joke too, and it was long. Yeah, everybody's like, what? Like, <laughs> but I just think, I just think sometimes though, what happens is, is when you get that level of fame with like Aziz and stuff like that, your day to day changes, and even though he's writing about the mundane things he does, his mundane things are things that you know, ten percent of America probably experiences maybe less on a mm. daily basis. Like there's not that many people that hang out with ultra rich, famous people. And yeah. you kind of lose, you lose, you know, people say you return to your roots. You just lose, you lose that connection with the, the, you know, the, the regular world. And so yeah. when you're in a, you know, LA or you're touring across the country, you don't have your you don't have your ear to the ground to life because you've got security. You've got all these pe- you got these meet and greets. You got all these people, all these fans. Mm-hmm. But you don't go grocery shopping anymore. You don't you don't have yeah, to, you don't get stuck in traffic. <laughs> you don't get you know uh-uh. it's all airport and you know yachts and whatever else you know fun things you get to do that the rest of us don't. <clears throat> yeah, everybody else. Is, yeah, and you said I guess you get you lose touch with most of society so that'd be that's really hard for people to kind of start to relate to material another comic i like a lot is tom segura and he's a person that i remember when i first heard him i think it was like it was one of those like random uh uh, it was like a a podcast or a a spotify playlist of random jokes he was on and i paused i was like who is this dude and i went and looked him up whatever and he had just dropped that his first special Mm -hmm. on netflix he's a person who's blown up now who does not ever, I mean, he's still, as far as I can tell, he's still pretty relatable. Doesn't really, you know. Yeah. But he's huge now. Yeah. I think also, I, I think I, I watched him because I used to, when I first moved out, like in 2010, 2011, I think I recorded every Comedy Central Presents. Mm. And so he, I think he had one of those, like I know a lot of comics, like from those specials and stuff. And I was just, I thought he was pretty good. I thought Nate Bargatze was really good. And that was back in 2010. Yeah. He was like one of the first ones I saw. And yeah, he's good. Yeah, he and it. now he's blown up. It just takes time. And sometimes it's just getting the right opportunity. Like Nate Bargatze was really good. Nothing came from it. But then, you know, he does the com- comedians on Netflix and gets the first special. And now he's, you know, theater, theater huge. And yeah. <laughs> When you 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 do you wonder how much he booked around the country? Like maybe he just booked you know in the East Coast. Now he's mm-hmm. doing theaters across the country and stuff like that. And I, it's just got to be a challenge because it's like you got to come up with a whole new hour like on the fly. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So like, say you so when comics drop a special, they have like you you should probably have like two hours. Is what you're saying? Well, you just. 
you just you just got to keep you can't you can't stop it's just one of those things of i as a feature even like as a middle act for myself it's 25 to 35 minutes but i have two really good 25 to 35s right now like i could do two different sets a night and i'm working on a third and a fourth and so that i can almost rotate it's just it's really hard because the third and the fourth don't hit as hard as one and two. So it's very, it's very easy yeah. to go back to one and two that, that it's a safe space. It's like, okay, these both, these both do really well. Gotcha. I want to do really well, but some nights are just like, you know what, let's just work on three or four and try to get three and four to the same kind of response as one and two. Gotcha. And so I'm constantly, I'm constantly putting myself in peril, putting you know, doing solid material up front that should be at the end so that I have to, <laughs> I now have to sustain or keep it going. Like I'll put my, yeah. like at backdoor or something, I'll put myself in peril. I'll, I'll, you know, swear off. Like I think Thursday I did 25 at Hyenas and I was like, no DUI stuff, no fitness stuff. Like it's all going to be odds and ends and try to make it into a 25 yeah yeah so you you just like well which i've never done that on like a show but Mm -hmm. i've done it at open mics yeah i'll do it at shows where you're like fuck it like i am not going to do this material this all this a material tonight i know like it's good it's hard i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna want to like retreat but uh i gotta try this stuff that i haven't done or this and that do you do you do any bits that you wrote like i mean they're like years old oh yeah they're like, yeah, I'm always afraid of that. I did. Like, I have a ton of stuff that I use as an opener and stuff that I've, you know, because both of my feature sets are stuff that I used to open with. Mm. Like my my two feature sets were once my opening set for a show. Yeah. So my opening 15 is now close to 40 minutes. Yeah, that's well. I guess it's time to drop an album. <laughs> well, that's I'm I'm working. It's in the works, and it just. I mean, it's getting an audio guide, everything squared away, and I want to do it as a middle act, not as a headliner, just because I love the energy, and I love the engagement. That there's no distractions, there's nothing. It is yeah. me, and I will just do. I would just. I'm going to hire a guy for a weekend and just do, two, both my one and two sets both nights just do one one set of each and then oh and then put it have them put it together yeah put the best of the four so it would be basically so i'll have an hour of set one and an hour of set two and him just basically pick the best ones and then pick off you know pick the best bits out of the other yeah huh not a bad idea yeah i just I just love being a feature. It's so much fun. And I, I enjoy just going up in the middle of the show versus the end. <laughs> yeah. But you know, headlining is, I mean, that's it. Yeah, that's I know. The... But it's some, at some point too, as a headliner, the, you know, the, the bar has been raised and yes, there are things mm-hmm. that work and some that don't, but as a mill it's, it's the best spot. You don't have to worry about announcements. You don't have to worry about going back up on stage. You don't have to yeah. worry about closing the show. You don't have to worry about checks being dropped during your set. 
You are. Oh, yeah. You yeah. have twenty minutes of. They're not ordering drinks in for the most part during your set because the open. You know they now have been sat. Their attention's been mm-hmm. drawn in because the MCs kind of you know got them prepared. Yeah. It is and like. Yeah. It is the it's best. Spot. The <laughs> it's like, man, yeah. I remember those like like those hosting nights where sometimes things got off late or something or started off kind of late mm-hmm. and then like or like crowds came in later and you're just like, oh my god. Like it I don't know, like sometimes I would start to sweat if like I see like empty seats and then I'm like, okay, that's fine. And then all of a sudden everyone's coming in during your set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not another sit, you know what I'm saying? Like they're seating like groups of five <laughs> like while you're talking and you're like, oh my God, this is the worst. <laughs> but, you know. And so my podcast is more about fears. I know this has been a great comedy conversation. You have, you have you a fear started. that I didn't, yeah, but, it's what you do outside of being afraid of shit is you you do you do have other things you do besides in stand up comedy happens to be one of them. You're also yeah. a dad. Yeah, that's another story. <laughs> How old is your daughter now? Fourteen. Wow, because she was like, yeah. like when I met you, she was what maybe ten, maybe. Um. Maybe oh my god, that's crazy. No, I get no ten, four years. No, I'm not even longer than four years, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it's big six. I could sit ten and under, kind of one like from five to ten is like one age. She must have been like eight. Okay, seven or eight. Because I because I say six years, but I I started mm-hmm. way before that, and then I quit for a long time, yeah. and then I quit for because of my own like it was stupid like I. I didn't realize that I wasn't taking comedy seriously enough to get to where I thought I should be. So I was going up like once a week, like the first year, you know, mm-hmm. and then like, you know, you're on like once a week. You think that that's like that's enough when it's really not. You know what I mean? Like, it's not even close to enough. And then sometimes I would like skip a week or whatever. And, um, you know, I had other stuff that I was doing or whatever the case. And so then I came back. So I'll probably make you that first time. Um my kid was, yeah, probably six or so. She was a little, but yeah, 14. She's a teenager, eighth grade, about to be in high school. What is that like, being the dad of a 14-year-old? It's terrifying, sir. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the most, it's, um, it's not the same as being the, the father of a child, of a little kid. Mm-hmm. When you're, when you're like, like, everyone always says like, oh, it's tough or whatever. If I look back on it, like my kid being like little, like from like two to like 10 or 11, Mm -hmm. 12, like those are like fun years. You know, they love you. Everything you do is like so cool, you -hmm. know, and then they turn 14 and like, oh, boy, now I suck. Oh, God, I suck. Nothing I do is everything I do is lame. It's not (laughs) it's wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. No, you're wrong. Like What? Yeah, so it's it's scary. <laughs> well, I just feel like the 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 lens, you know, gets clear. It's like you know, it's your dad, and then you, as you grow up, you like realize you kind of see the flaws because you're more mm-hmm. aware, and you're like, huh. Hmm. And so it's things that you realize that 
your dad does that, oh, that's cool at all. <laughs> you know, or, you know, oh, now he's, yeah, it's, I, I gotta admit, it's probably super uncomfortable because it's like, you just don't know what they're thinking. And, and I can't imagine, <laughs> you know, that, that whole, like a young adult. Just being. Yeah. Like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird because. Because it also they don't really care too much about, you know, and you probably I don't know if you did or not. But like when you're really little, they don't they're you're their whole world, you know, mm-hmm. like family is their whole world. And now it's friends and what they want to do with them, with their lives, what they want to do down the day to day basis has nothing to do with you at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, it is it is weird to watch it. I always think about my parents now. I'm just like, man, my dad must have been like, what? <laughs> What is this? You know, so they're all they're new people. She's like a different person now. It's mm-hmm. like scary. Does she has she seen any of your comedy at all that you show her your stand up or no? Uh, I've actually never showed it to her, but she's like seen YouTube videos that, that weren't private. And uh, there's like two. And I and she like Googled me, apparently, and found them. I think I have showed her one one before, but. Yeah, she has one like bookmarked. It's like a really old video that she's she's told me she showed all her teachers before. She's always like, "Yeah, I show my teachers this one all the time," and I'm like, "That's not a good set, though. Don't <laughs> don't show them that." You know? Why is it she, not private then? If it's not a good set, why is that not private? Do you not know how YouTube works? <laughs> yeah, I probably should make that private. Huh? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's keep the sucky one out there. That's no, I don't want you to see the good one. Okay. It was, it was from a feature set. It's from uh, Hyena's Plano. Okay. So she, you know, she, she, uh, she's, she showed all her teachers before and she's like, I showed my teacher and I'm like, she's like, I'm like, why do you always show your teacher? She's like, cause I tell them you're a stand up comic. They don't believe me. And so I'm <laughs> like, here, still don't believe proof. you after. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't. No, he's not sweetie. That's not <laughs> like, no, still. <laughs> Do you have any any more proof? <laughs> she uh yeah, so she's seen it, but she freaking loves like uh she loves Kevin Hart. Okay. Well that's she's good. Like, he's hilarious. I'm like, well, yeah. Some of his stuff's really good. Like I love his uh his ghost story where he leaves his family. Like he he's Oh yeah. Where he's like in the car, like about to leave his whole family because he hears a noise. And his dad's yeah. in the car behind it. <laughs> dude, his first special. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. It's dude, it's it's side splitting funny. And then uh yeah, the joke about he how he's gonna how he's been on the road for years and he or he's been on the road for months and he comes back and they got a dog, dude. That's like one of the best stories ever. The story about him babysitting his kids and he's not good at being a babysitter or whatever, and like other people's kids. You remember that one where he's like He's like, okay, so your kid did have all 10 toes, right? <laughs> when he jumped him off. Okay, cool. Um, so what happened here? <laughs> That's a funny one. <laughs> so now with since we're since we're talking about this and your what is your fear? Go ahead and explain to the like I guess tell the audience what your what fear you want to talk about. I, I at first I was a little apprehensive about talking about it because I've, I've never really admitted it before. Uh, most people don't even know, but I am 
really claustrophobic, okay. like extremely claustrophobic. Well, okay, I won't say extremely, but Michael, I didn't know I was claustrophobic until I was explaining it to somebody, and they were like, "Yeah, dude, that's pretty claustrophobic. Like some of it's normal, but some of it's like out out of the box a little. You know, the way I handle it's not normal. Yeah. I guess, if that makes sense. Okay, because there's certain things I'm not claustrophobic about that some people probably would be. If that makes sense. Okay. So how did you explain you were claustrophobic? <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> I was telling somebody uh, like maybe like a month ago about how I had to go to the ear doctor and that the the, my, the doctor, uh, I thought I had an ear infection and the doctor's office was like on the eighth floor. Right. And I was like, I didn't want to go there. I tried to switch it to like four other doctors because I didn't want to ride an elevator up eight floors. And they, they were like, what? Why don't you just, that? why? And I was like, I don't like elevators. And they were like, you just don't like elevators? I was like, well, honestly, like, I used to tell people I don't like creepy elevators, like the ones that everybody doesn't like, you know, when they get into one and they're like, ah, this is creepy. But like even nice ones sometimes scare the hell out of me. <laughs> and like, I will take the stairs. Like if it's like four <laughs> flights i will be like you know what i can do four i can do four you know yeah i've even done eight i've opted <laughs> did out did you do the eight like, for the ear doctor <laughs> <laughs> i did i walked down uh so i took it up oh no 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 i i walked up like four flights and then i was like god so i'm so tired and i got off on the fourth floor and i wrote it i wrote it up terrified like just like Closing my eye, I something about creepy elevators. I can't. I do not like being in them. But whenever, so I told them that, and then I said, "But you know how claustrophobic people don't like being like in like crowds, you know, like at concerts and stuff." There's a lot of people that ever bother. That doesn't bother me. But I'm yeah. like being pushed around with a bunch of people or something. Like it, it, it can be a little jarring, but I don't mm-hmm. like flip out about it. Um, That's me. I hate. I can do tight spaces and stuff, but I can't do just loads of people. Like I had a yeah. I was like wigged out because I dated a girl in Addison 10 years ago now and we went to Oktoberfest in Addison Circle mm-hmm. and yeah. just the everybody just moving and just pushing going different directions yeah. or and just people <laughs> just standing with nowhere else to go just standing in the middle of this wave of humanity and yeah. you just have nowhere you have no moment to even think about where you're going to go or how you're going to get there you have to like move through people yes and people that are moving you like more I think about it's it, more like it people moving you it's like it's that mm-hmm. it's yeah. that yeah. like if you're in a concert and you're in this if you go up to rush the stage or you're mm-hmm. just up front and then people behind you want to rush the stage and you're just pushed yeah like all the way <laughs> yeah i don't like tight spaces uh there's been certain cases where i'm like I'm not going. I'm not going to that like fitting room. It's cre- It's too little. It's like weird. It's like, like the ones that, like don't have a top, you know, or something like at a closing store. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'll still go in, but I'll I'll be like, oh, this is creepy, you know, like. So you don't like dressing so, rooms. Like if it's, like, and I can only think of like one store I went in like fairly recently that it wasn't like a normal fitting room. It was like, it was basically like a closed off. It was like the last one is like closed off. You know, how most fitting rooms have like the opening, but like yeah. you can like look over the door. That one didn't have that. Oh, oh so you couldn't look over the door? Yeah, I couldn't like, <laughs> if I wanted to get out, I'd. <laughs> hey, girl, I'm claustrophobic. I just, you know, I'm not 
checking you out. I'm just trying yeah, to make sure but, I can breathe. The <laughs> I, just want, I just want to breathe for a second. <laughs> that skirt looks great on you, by the way. <laughs> you look good in pastels and just. But I don't. Uh, I'm trying to think of a time where it was like really. Oh, here's something. I was at work one time. Uh, and I had to go grab it was, it was like a few years ago like shoot I think it's like three jobs away and I had to grab something out of like a closet like I think I dropped like a coffee cup and it broke all by my desk and I was like oh I'll clean it up you know and I, they were like I was like where's the janitor's closet I went in there to go get it and the door shut behind me you know what I mean I, dude I fucking panicked like I was like <laughs> like, <laughs> like beating my way out the door when it was like not even <laughs> Like it, it kind of got. Um, it was one of those things where the door, like, locked, mm-hmm. and then like when I tried to open it, it wouldn't open right away. Like I had to kind of jimmy it a little bit to like open it. And I do. You want to talk about panicking? Like I open the door and people are like, Are "You okay, dude?" Like I'm sweating and shit. You know, I'm like, oh, 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 get <laughs> I don't know where I came from. It's really weird. I don't even know why I'm even talking about it now. You know what? Now, now I'm weirding myself out even thinking. <laughs> is that a weird? I mean, is it weird to be like? Because I know some people. Well, some people were like, you know, riding the trunk of a car as a joke, mm-hmm. and they're just like, "Put me back in, Ace." And I'm like, dude, this is. There's no way. If somebody had to shut me in a trunk, dude, I'd lose my shit. There used to be a like a on internet. There used to be a haunted house, supposedly like the scariest haunted house in the world, and it didn't have a distinct location. Like they just said, "Hey, come to this street corner at such and such time." And <laughs> so this writer did it, and he was grabbed and thrown into the trunk of a car with music playing next to like dead animal heads and stuff like that, like deer and stuff what? like that. Like, he said they drove me and they he said they put a bag over my head. Like they bagged him and threw him in the trunk. Then no. then he he all he felt was uh, you know, he's pulled out of the car, uh he's felt into is thrown into a casket basically, closed in the casket, and then you hear the sounds of dirt being poured on you. And then what? he just you just sat there for he said it felt like maybe he's like, I don't know how long it was, it could have been ten minutes, it could have been it, it it could have been just a minute, but it felt like ten to fifteen, just enough to make you go crazy. Like maybe they're gone. Then you hear the shell, yeah. you hear like the shovels again, and the casket door opens. And he says, like you see two guys running away, and your car is parked at we're right at the end of this field. What? If it's real, Dude. like I think that's insane. But that's the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's like you're cla- if you're claustrophobic, it's like your worst nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's even is that legal? Probably not. But no, <clears throat> could you do something like that? Like, could you be? Do elevators creep you out? No. Like, can you just get in, like a creepy elevator and just hit the button? And just yeah. live your life. I'm fine with like like I said, confined spaces and stuff. Because I was a little kid, so I would play under the bed. I would, you know, I, I just yeah. I was okay with sitting in gym lockers and stuff like that. Like I could hide and control yeah. and court myself into a gym locker and hide. See, no, no way. Are you, you're, no, no, I could never. That's what I'm saying. I know people that could do that. And I'm always just like, there's no way. There's no, I would like panic like immediately. I start sweating and like, you know, hyperventilating or something. 
um, I got locked in a uh, going taking the stairs somewhere. Um, it was one of the, I don't know why, but it locked behind me. The door locked behind me, but they and that turns out like the the bottom floor locks, but you can open it from the inside or whatever, like every other floor. Mm-hmm. But I it locked behind me and I opened it to go back out and I was like, oh my god, I panicked, beating on it, you know. And they're like, you know, they like security guard came and was like, what? What are you doing? And I'm just like, uh, I got locked in the stairwell. He's like, no, 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 you can just go to the second floor. The first one locks on it automatically. And I'm like, hmm, okay, well, huh, I'm, uh, I have an issue. <laughs> He's like, you know, you can just take the elevator. I'm like, yeah, huh. we have the same. <laughs> it's a different animal. Um, you know, it's, uh, I can't remember how many times it's happened, but just recently when I went to the doctor, to the air doctor, when I actually took the elevator down, there was someone in it. And I told him, I did say something about how, like, oh, I don't like, you know, elevators. I don't know why I try to make small talk with him or something like that. And the light was flickering in it. You know what he told me? He was like, dude, I've worked in this building for uh, two years. He's like, I've worked in this building for two years. And each year, at least two or three people get stuck in this elevator. And I was like, what? (laughs) Why are you telling me that now? We got three more floors, dude. We got three more floors. And that's happened to me before. Other people have said that. I've been in the elevator, and I'm like, I don't want to be in here. And someone's like, man, you want to know what happened last year? And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so where do you yeah. think this started from? Like, where, did you have, like, something happen to you as a kid where you were just stuck somewhere? I was thinking about that, and I can think of two things. Okay. One, um, when I was really little, I had, like, a, uh, like a, yo- like a young uncle. Mm-hmm. He was like... When I was like elementary school age, he was like, like senior in high school, okay. like that, you know, and like rowdy boy, you know, he played football, you know, like he, and he, uh, I remember he used to scare the hell out of me all the time. Like he would like pick on me all the time. Still my favorite uncle though. Like, you know, it's kind of crazy, but <laughs> you just love <laughs> abuse. Apparently it was- I love, give me more uncle. He's like still my favorite uncle in the world, man. And like, he would like. I remember like him picking on me and my sister when we were kids. And one time he put me in a blanket and like put me in a blanket and like carried me around. Like (laughs) I get this blanket, like I could not breathe. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that that can be pretty, and I'm talking like, I'm like toddler age, you know? So I'm, I'm getting like images of it. I can't remember it full, but I'm like, I remember him at my grandma's house putting me in a blanket and just (laughs) like, and like wrapping me up and carrying me around, I'm panicked. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, I can't breathe. You know, and him just laughing it off. He used to lock me in closets all the time, okay. and just like, you know, scare the hell out of me with masks or beat on it or whatever. I mean, it was all like, you know, stuff that teenagers do to kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I would say that that's probably a strong indicator because you were panicked and. So tight spaces because of the blanket or the closet and just being agitated. Like you just, it's just your, your, your deep seated memories go back to those feelings. Like you, you're, you're not remembering them on a visual level, like a, but a feeling level. Yeah. And so you remember that feeling of being can't breathe that in the blanket and stuff like that. Yeah. I wonder if like, there's like, a solution you know what i mean well because go ahead 
it's just I think it's gradual. I think you just have to kind of break that that feeling of being able to just be in like because honestly, it doesn't. It it never really affects my life mm-hmm. on a day to day basis, except for the like elevator thing. You know okay. what I mean? Like that. Other than that, what tight spaces are we really in? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not. You know, except for <laughs> I did drive a Fiat, and uh, that kind of gave me claustrophobia. So being in the back seat of my own Fiat, like I panicked one time. Like I got, <laughs> I got back there one time, and I was like, "There's no way in hell I can ride back here." It was like I was like, "It's not even right to put another person back here." Yeah. I remember one time my daughter sat back there, and I kept being like, "Are you okay?" Are you all right? And she's like, yes. Why are you asking me this? And I'm just like, because I wasn't when I sat back there. <laughs> so you said you have an interesting way that you handle this. So how do you handle that feeling of being claustrophobic? It just really depends on where it is. Like if it's like a uh, like the elevator, you know, mm-hmm. I'll just literally like I'll just take the stairs if I can. If it's impossible to take the stairs. I just literally like truck it. Like I'll go in there terrified. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like, oh shit. Okay, 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 okay. You know, like uh, just be like, oh, did I drink enough water? Because if I have to sit in this thing for for days, <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, I don't want to be without any water. Okay, all right. You know, um, I, it's weird that I have the combined fear of like the tight spaces, but also l- the literal fear of being stuck in the elevator. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that's, is it irrational? I don't know. But I don't think it's irrational. I think it's just something that, again, that you just don't like because of your exposure to it at an early age. Like it's just, you know, you were you were you weren't given the best, you know, representation <laughs> of what tight spaces are like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am I am envious of people who are able to just do that with no, you know, like I had. I remember being a kid, like in high school, and we were messing around. And my kid, my friends, like we, we put our uh, one of our friends in a trunk of a car, and like drove around. And we had him like he would open it in traffic, you know, like he would be like ah to the cars behind us. And I'm like, when it was my turn, I'm like, I can't do that. There's no way. Like I'm not about to do that. <laughs> There's no way you're not getting me in that trunk, you know. Mm-hmm. So, oh well. That's interesting. So. Did that have any adverse effects? Like, did people like call authorities or something when that happened? Or because I just feel like that could, you know, I don't know, I don't know what year it was or whatever. If they are okay with people in the trunk of a car, you know? Oh yeah, I mean, I grew up in a small town, so I'm sure, like, people just kind of roll stuff. You know, they're just like, well, they go again. Okay, here go the boys. <laughs> So are you trying to make, trying to get better at it? Like, are you, like, do you try to take an elevator and just? Yeah, I, um, I have, uh, like I worked in an office one time that I had to take it every day. Um, and I did not like that. A lady did get stuck in that elevator actually when I worked there, which was very terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was impossible to take the stairs at that place. I worked too high up and it was like. I remember being like, oh, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. You know, like I could have to get, I had to take it, you know, five days a week, twice a day or sometimes three if I went to lunch. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it was like, 
Whew, but every time it was always like an issue, you know, it was just like, oh, God, what if you have a bunch of people like a fire drill or something like returning back? Yeah. <laughs> did you, do you ever? The fire drills? Yeah. Take stairs. Okay. But you, but I mean, coming back up. Oh, like going back up with like a bunch of people. Yeah. Oh, whew, yeah. I did not like that. Okay. Being in there with like a lot of people. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, one or two is fine. But with a lot of people, uh, yeah, it makes you kind of panic. I've done it, you know, and I guess I feel like if, if we're all if we're all in here, we're all getting stuck. I guess, <laughs> I guess you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did see a video one time. It was kind of popular, I guess, of the guy who got stuck in an elevator for like three days. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that video? No. Like over, like he got. It was like a Friday. He went to go on smoke break. He got stuck, and they didn't know he was in there until like Monday. When everyone came back to work and like I was just thinking like that always goes in my head. And I, and that was like probably 10 years ago. I remember when that was like a YouTube video because they have the security video on YouTube. It was like forever ago. And I still think about that. Like, man, OK, but that's awful because you have to use the bathroom, too. Yeah, he did. He had to. Yeah. In there. Sucks. <laughs> oh, no. So if you were to. If you were trapped in an elevator, how do you think you could handle it? Do you think you could that it would either that you would be able to survive or would you just Don't put that evil <laughs> Just how do you feel you would do? If I was stuck in there, I would probably uh knowing myself, I think I would panic at first. You know, I'd flip out. And then uh, I'd probably start, you know, going to a very like deep state of anxiety, you know, mm-hmm. and start like blaming myself or blaming other people or something. And it's like, if I hadn't been going to go get this, this shit wouldn't happen, you know, like, I'd, yeah. And then I'd probably slowly just like even myself out, you know, like an adult and be like, all right, you got to get out of this elevator, you know, where's the panic button or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think I would panic till I passed out. I think I would definitely go through that and then come out of it and just be like, all right, but it's happening. I'm definitely panicking. Right. Like I'm definitely gonna. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, I, well, Andy, I thank you for doing this. Um, it was a great conversation. Even when we had to take that break while your internet went out. Yeah. That the first, am I the first guest you've had in your podcast that the internet went out? close to it like uh clarence gleaton was doing it from his car like he was driving and that was that was kind of a challenge because he kind of yeah. had to cut some of his stories and stuff because it would i think the the thing with zoom is the more movement you have in front of the camera like all of a sudden then it starts to buffer to catch the video yeah and so you'll have those pause and so I've yeah. learned kind of how to edit those audibly because I can I I can know what they look like and I can kind of cut it to where that that pause it finishes the sentence versus that long pause. And so I've kind of learned how to edit those. But I think you're the first person that actually is fully like disconnected. Oh right! Wow, thanks, man. Like really some people have it. like stopped and like I've I've had to edit like a minute or two out of their podcast, but. So far, I'm, it hasn't been like ridiculous. Like it hasn't been anything that I've. If it's if it's ridiculously bad, then I will re-record usually. Oh yeah, yeah. Then you get to Andy Franklin, and yeah. then all of a sudden, oh. he yeah. 
I'll just merge them just like I would a video clip or a, or a music musical guest when they want to give me a song. So it just adds oh, an yeah. extra layer, and then I just I just move it up and push it together. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, it was cool. Well, it was fun, man. Yeah. If you ever want to have me back, dude, let me know. I'm afraid of a lot of things. Yeah. Everybody so. is. Like, I, I've got a lot of people that I could probably hit back up again and stuff, but I want to try to get more comics and other people. Yeah. But thanks yeah. for doing it. No problem. I'll see you. Are you coming to Bagdoor tonight? Or are you, yes. Oh, no, you're it. Are you? Are, okay, yeah, I'll be there. All right. I'll well, there. I'll see you there. All right, man. See you. Thanks, Perio. Well, that was Andy. Andy's a good friend. We have a lot of laughs in that episode. Uh, apologies for some of the audio as Andy lost Wi-Fi in the midst of our conversation. So I kind of cut that all out. And we had some other microphone issues as well that I was able to edit and get cut for this episode. Um, check out Andy Franklin wherever he's doing stand-up. He's Really, really, really funny guy. He's got some great stories and some great bits. Um, check him out wherever you can. As for myself, um, I'm recording this late. As The promo will come out probably Sunday as I was visiting my mom in Kerrville, Texas on Thursday and Friday. I drove down Wednesday night and spent some time with my mom. I haven't seen her in over... A year and a half as COVID kind of prevented me from going down there as she had it last Thanksgiving. She was suffering from COVID as well as just heart attacks and everything else down there with health. And it's, it was good to, to see her and see that she's doing okay and, she may be in retirement come January 2022. I uh, wish her the best on that. And hopefully she can find some pet projects to keep her busy while she's not being busy at a job. I uh, look forward to that. As for me, I uh, got shows coming up this week in Midland, Texas with James Johan. Good friend. We worked in Wichita back in August. It was awesome. And uh, we were at work again in Midland, Texas, one night on December 3rd. And then December 4th, I will be at Roller Town with Michael Pasvar and Des O'Neill. And then later that night, I'll be at the Addison Improv doing the Midnight Special. So look forward to doing all those shows and... Everything else that's coming up on January, I'll be in the Looney Bins in Wichita on January 2nd through 6th, and then Oklahoma City the following weekend, 12th through the 16th. And then after that, in January, the third week of January, the 22nd through the 24th, I will be recording my feature sets with Rob Little with the uh, possibility of recording an album. I will have all the audio recordings. Hopefully we can make an album that will kind of sum up some of my comedy so that I can put a bow on that, put it out, and see what the world thinks of it. Should be a fun time. I love hanging out with Rob Little. 
Hopefully that opens more clubs for me. Um, as for the show, leave a review if you haven't left one already. I love seeing the five-star reviews everywhere. These podcasts have been sent out on Spotify, Google, and Apple. Um, also, if you have suggestions, shoot me an email. I love hearing from people. Guys, hope you have a great week. I can't believe we're already through Thanksgiving and on to Christmas. Thank you guys for listening to The Sum of All Fears and have a good week. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh2o. Get it? H2O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olson for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns, that's G-U-N-B-U-N-S, as well as his website, gunnarolson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at somefearfans, S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback if on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. It makes the show bigger, and it's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there, and you can check me out at RyanPerio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened. And everything's kind of just in a, in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening. <laughs>